0: Thank you, Father Aaron. And thank you, Emmanuel. It really is a a joy and an honor to stand before you this morning and talk about the scriptures. Um, here, as Father Aaron has noted, to talk about a tender topic this morning, becoming women. Uh, This is a big topic. I'm not going to be able to pull the whole veil back on it. But I'm hoping this morning we can receive a word that the Lord has for us. We're in the middle of this sermon series, uh, More Than Sex, Becoming Spiritual Mothers and Fathers. Spiritual Mothers and Fathers are a gift to the church. They are a um, glorious expression of his inefficient and personal way of dealing with us. I owe so much of this sermon to one of my spiritual mothers, Carla Waterman, for the way that her teaching has shaped my soul and for the images that I want to share with you this morning. I also owe this sermon to another spiritual mother. It's a woman I've never met, someone who's been a spiritual mother to many, many throughout time, many around the world. And it's her story that I want to look at this morning. I'd like to hold up the gospel passage that was read, to look at Mary and to learn from her. There is so much wonder in this passage this morning. Wonder not only at the prophesied word, but wonder at the glory of God in the face of Mary as she takes her part in this miracle. Who was this woman? Who are women that they were made for capacity for such moments? If you'll look with me now, I want to turn to the text. You can use your Bibles. You can turn in your uh, bulletins there. But the passage begins in uh, Luke 1, verse 26. With the angel Gabriel coming to Mary. And now I've never seen an angel before, and I'm guessing that's true for you also. So, our context for this encounter that Mary has is actually just a little bit farther back in chapter one. um, That's not printed there, but if you have your Bibles, you can turn to it in verse 12. We see that um, Gabriel has just appeared to Zechariah, he's come to announce the birth. Of John the Baptist to Zachariah and Elizabeth. At the time of this encounter, Zachariah is actually serving um, as a priest at the altar of incense. Luke tells us that he is a priest. He's a man advanced in years. He's righteous before God. So here we have a mature man of God who is familiar with spiritual rituals and phenomenon, who's in a holy place. And yet he is utterly unprepared for this encounter. The scriptures tell us that Zachariah was terrified when he saw Gabriel. This was not an angel that you might see depicted in a Hallmark card. Gabriel even says of himself, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And this is the picture that we hold in our hearts when we come to verse 26 and read about Mary's encounter. Mary, who was young in years, no expert in matters of faith, not in any particular holy place or doing anything particularly special at the time. When Gabriel comes, he comes with joyful tidings. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. These are happy words. And yet, Luke tells us she was greatly troubled at their saying. These happy words are overwhelming her. Mary is also afraid. The intensity of Gabriel's appearance is not lost on her small frame. The picture I want you to have of Mary in this moment is of a small ship in vast waters. A wave has just crashed over her small ship. The appearance of the angel Gabriel is terrifying and overwhelming. And how does this little ship survive that huge wave? It stays afloat. She comes back to center. Look at the question that she that she asked Gabriel in verse thirty-four: "How will this be, since I am a virgin?" This is not a question put up as a screen for unbelief. The scriptures clearly identify Mary as she who believed. No, this is a response of resilience. She answers with belief clarity and readiness to accept the answer to her question. The small ship is sturdy. Gabriel's answer to her question sends yet another wave. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. I wonder how long it was that she paused or how long it took for this to sink in. This is not going to come about by any man, Mary. This is going to appear as a scandal. God himself will put this life in you. Her response, we see it there in verse 38. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word. What a reply. Look at the resilience in that reply think about how radically her life has changed in moments. When I see her little ship bobbing up and down there, and the presence of Gabriel, and yet so strong and sturdy and resilient, I want to cheer almost. I want to be like, "Yes, blessed is she who believed." In the face of these waves, Mary is doing something really wise. She calls to mind something that is true and unchanging. I am the servant of the Lord. She returns to her core identity. Commentators have said that in this phrase, she is taking on the shield of her inclusion in the household of faith. She then uses what is true to make sense of the moment. In the middle of these rocky waters and swirling feelings and thoughts, She gives preeminence to this one reality. She had always been the servant of the Lord, but in this moment, it really matters. And she has the clarity to hold on to it when it matters. Can you picture her little ship out on the vast waters? Water surges over the little vessel. It kind of bends and bobs under the intensity of the water. But as the water starts to drip off, there she is, still afloat. She's centered, resilient. But where did this rooted resilience come from? Was she born like this? Is she a special exception to where the rest of us live, to where I live? Let's look at the gospel passage again, because I think there's something else in this text about Mary that goes hand in hand with the resilience that we see. In the passage before us, Gabriel is doing more than making an announcement. In his words, in verse 28, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. Of his kingdom there will be no end. These wonderful words. This is more than just... FYI, this interesting thing is about to happen to you. You might be curious about it. These are profound and prophetic words that Mary is to actively receive. In them, the Lord is calling Mary to let go of the life that she thought she was going to have, the dreams that she had already begun to dream in her engagement to Joseph, and instead to embrace the life that he was giving her instead. He continues, verse 35, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. As Gabriel delivers this word to Mary, he is calling forth a work inside of her, and she is saying, yes, yes, let the seed of the word of God go in and let it call forth the work it was sent to create. Let it be unto me according to thy word. I'm a willing participant in God's work in and through me. In this response, we see a wide openness to the Lord. She has a receptive heart. This receptivity, this wide openness to the Lord may be held up, as an icon of the feminine soul in relationship to God. This moment, this is a public, iconic, history-making yes in the life of Mary. But she's been saying yes to God before this moment. We know it because what she needs for that great moment, that great yes, she already has it inside of her. She knows who she is. Sometime before that moment, she had received teaching about God. She'd received teaching about herself. And that teaching had gone in like a seed into good soil. True words had taken root in her. We know that she knows the scriptures because of the language that we see in the Magnificat, which is recorded just after the passage we read this morning. So we can imagine her. We can imagine her meditating on truth meditating on scriptures. We know she's a woman we see in scripture that ponders things in her heart. She has internalized these things before this moment. And the clarity, strength, and resilience we see in Mary here is rooted in that receptive part of her soul. But if we keep looking, if we keep looking at this picture and thinking about it, we'll see this is not just a picture of being wide open. In fact, the opposite is true. Gabriel has just let Mary know that this wildly joyful reality is going to come about through the very practical and lived experience of her becoming pregnant before her marriage. Her place and her community will never be the same. Many people's opinions of Mary were about to change many were not going to believe her. She would be the target of gossip, slander, accusation, insult, even hatred. For her to remain wide open to the Lord, she is going to have to be closed to many other voices. For her to say yes to God, she is going to have to say no to the opinions and judgments of many. If Mary had remained wide open to these accusations and insults, it would have destroyed her. And it would also have destroyed the joy and the sweetness of the real work that God was doing inside of her. It's not just the external murmurings that Mary will have to confront, though. To stay open to the Lord, she is going to have to quiet the voice of unbelief within I can imagine some of the other thoughts that might have passed through her mind. The Lord would not choose me. Or haven't we been waiting on the Messiah for hundreds of years? Can this really be the moment? Or maybe isn't Elizabeth a little bit too old to be pregnant? In order to be open to God's word, she's going to have to quiet even these inner voices that would harden her heart to God's holy and prophetic word. In this story, I also see Mary guarding what is within through her actions. What does she do as soon as the encounter with Gabriel is over? It's there for us in verse 39 and 40. Luke says, she went with haste, as we saw so wonderfully depicted this morning, and she greeted she entered the house of Zachariah and went straight to Elizabeth. Mary goes straight to the place where what she has received is going to be protected and strengthened. She is not hiding. She will not be able to hide this birth. But she has this tiny little baby seed of the word of the Lord that she has just received. And she's protecting it. And she's protecting herself along with it. Her courage, her faith, It is wisdom that tells her that she does not have to walk this road alone. She does not have to tough it out in isolation. She knows that seeing the miraculous pregnancy of Elizabeth firsthand is going to strengthen her. She knows that being in the presence of this older faithful couple, this spiritual mother and father, is going to strengthen her. The home of Zachariah and Elizabeth is an earthen place where It is safe to share the vulnerable spiritual work within. The picture I want you to have of Mary's receptivity that we see here is of good soil in a gated garden. Mary has the capacity to let things in. She's not hard. She ponders things in her heart. The soil inside is soft and rich. Plants are able to take root there and flourish. In this sense, she's deeply receptive. But the garden itself is not wide open. It is gated. It is protected. And Mary is in full possession of the gate to her soul. She does not let everything in, and she does not keep everything out. I think the image of the gated garden is a really important one for us as women. Women have a profound capacity for receptivity within Growing up into mature women of God, part of this journey includes acknowledging and beginning to steward this powerful capacity. But as we know, because of the fall, this capacity within us is not always functioning as the way that God designed. I think many women now find themselves on a pendulum of receptivity where they swing from being too open to being shut down. Imagine with me for a moment the woman who is too open to too many things. This can take varied expressions, but it might look like this. It might look like a woman who is overly concerned with anyone's opinion. She wants to please everybody. Perhaps a woman who is ingesting every form of spirituality. A woman who simply adopts the opinions of her peers. A woman who struggles to say no to requests for her time, so she's overcommitted and she's exhausted. A woman willing to say yes to whatever emotional or physical connection that a man is seeking from her. A woman who takes on one more responsibility at work because she has internalized a false message that her identity is in her performance. The woman who is too receptive to the wrong things has not understood the value of her heart, her mind, and her body and the power that she has to protect it. The door is wide open and any person or idea can come in at their pleasure. Fruit is growing alongside of weeds inside of her. She might feel quite vulnerable. This woman probably feels tossed about. She might be confused at why she doesn't experience the peace and the strength that she knows is possible. Now imagine for a moment the woman who has locked the gate and has hardened soil. Obviously, this can take many expressions too. But it might look like someone who is closed off to healthy vulnerability and safe relationships. Someone who pushes people away and emotions down. This woman also might be too busy, but not because she can't say no, but because she does not want to sit still long enough to be present to her emotions and to the Lord. Maybe there's sin and it's hardened her heart, but she doesn't want to let go of it. Maybe she's closed the gate because she's had real pain. We often shut down because of a violation. Somebody has come in and has taken fruit that we did not want to give. This woman might feel afraid. She might feel like she's missing that joy and inner warmth that she feels in others and wonder why. I don't know where you find yourself today or if any of these images resonate or maybe you find yourself in both places at different times. Where do we go from here? We go to the one place that is full of life and redemption, and healing, we go straight to Jesus. Jesus himself wants to partner with us to cultivate a joyful, safe, and fruitful garden of the soul. The woman who is too open might need Jesus to gently show her how to close the gate. She might need his help to stop internalizing opinions and judgments, needs, and expectations that are not hers to carry. Then she might need him to stay a while, begin weeding out false messages, sin, unnecessary commitments. Jesus is able to gently lead her to make space for the real fruit that God is calling forth out of her union with him. The woman who's closed off might need courage, courage to take steps toward God, courage to take steps towards others. She might need wisdom to recognize and choose safe earthen places where she can share what is growing inside. For any woman who's hardened her heart through sin, this ground is broken up through repentance. For a woman who's closed herself off from, because of pain, she might just need to hear the tender voice of Jesus speaking to her. Through the gate. Ultimately, she will need the power of God to heal. This woman needs to hear and know that He is able to save and transform to the uttermost those who come to Him. For all of us, there is a call to make space for the presence of Jesus within, to allow true and living words of God to take root in our souls, to use wisdom without fear, to judge what we will let in and what we will keep out. The result of this ordered receptivity within us is going to be fruitfulness for the life of the world. We cannot look at this gospel passage today without seeing an image of fruitfulness. Mary's yes to the Lord literally brings Jesus to the world. For Mary, spiritual fruitfulness and physical fruitfulness were one in the same. But all physical fruitfulness, all childbearing, is a picture of spiritual fruitfulness. In the process of childbearing, the seed goes in, it gestates, and in its time, it is life-giving and fruitful for the world. And as capable as women's bodies are to do this miraculous work of nurturing and bringing forth life, The seed needed to begin that new life is in another. God has created an intentional and unavoidable dependence between man and woman. It is the same with Christ and the church. Fruitfulness in the church depends upon receiving the living and active word of God. We do not have the word that brings life within ourselves. We receive it. And like childbearing, true fruitfulness is slow. It is an organic process. The word must abide within us. Christian fruitfulness is a process where we do not have control over the timing or the ultimate outcome. In this way, women are image bearers of the mystery of the church. And whether we ever have children or not, whether we are male or female. This image is a gift to us that we can ponder and receive from. Ultimately, God's longing is that we would all be participants in the deeper and richer mystery of spiritual fruitfulness. Because like childbearing, it is always a miracle, and it is always filled with wonder. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen.